stillness of this moment, for this is a time of mystery, a time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is... Welcome to Island Ghost Radio. I'm Mike Taylor. I'm Diane Pistel. And I'm Erica Popino. And joining us tonight by phone, our group member from Island Ghost Investigations, it's Oliver Peterson. Hey! Hey, hey Oliver. <laughs> hey, you can't cheat yourself. Good. <laughs> Oliver, you're joining us tonight because our guest is Alexandra Holzer. And you've interviewed her and her mother before, correct? Um, yeah, a couple times uh, I wrote some uh, articles about them, and uh, and uh, subsequently, um, you know, spent a little time. I had I've been over um, her mother's house for dinner, and you know, very nice people, very nice people. Excellent, excellent. And uh, we're gonna just jump right into this interview. We're gonna take a quick little musical break and get right into it. So we will be back. You're listening to Island Ghost Radio. We're all ganging up on you. I don't know what show I'm on. I don't know what I'm doing here. Go on. Sorry. Do do any of us know what we're doing? No. Not really. I think that's the secret to life is just not knowing what you're doing and just get through it. That's it. See? Smart. Yeah. (laughs) Can you hear Oliver okay? Oliver, say hello. Hello. Hi, Oliver. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you? Good. Long time no talk. I'm telling you. My goodness. I miss you. Yeah. What have you been up to? Um, everything, you know. It's just there's, there's always stuff going on. Always, you know. But we'll talk about all that, I guess. And, you know, and other than that, you know, we're just trying to, to stay healthy. And I think that's the most important thing. So, mm-hmm. you know. So, let's start at the very beginning. First, there was the Big Bang. Oh, that's way too far back. Um, <laughs> Big Bang Theory, yeah. Yes. 
Uh, <laughs> funny TV show, by the way. Anyway, I, I'm digressing totally here. Um, for those listening right now that are, aren't aware, Alexandra, you are the daughter of probably one of the most famous ghost hunters, Hans Holzer. Well, would you call him a ghost hunter, or would uh, you well, call him Doctor Holzer, the parapsychologist? I'd call him a very prolific writer. I'd call him many things. Um, he was. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what he always demanded of people, which kind of made him come off a certain way. Like unless you didn't know him, right? Uh, he'd always say he is Professor Doctor Hans Holzer. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Did he make you call him Professor Dad? Uh, no, because he knows I'd leave and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. And yes, and your mother was, or still is, I should say, a countess, which not too many people can say that about their moms. And the great, great, great granddaughter of Catherine the Great. That yes, it's 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 a really bizarre mix of having for parents, um, and and certainly bodes well for an interesting backstory. As I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> the more I've gotten into the field and just the awareness of, of who I am as a person and what I'm supposed to be doing on Earth. So, yeah, she, she's got this incredible legacy as well. And I'm, I'm glad I addressed it in the book because a lot of people, I think, just wanted it to be strictly on ghosts. And I think it's overplayed. I think you can go and get any book telling you what a ghost is and telling you a good ghost story. But I think when you talk about your family history, that's kind of intriguing kind of like mine in a way. I think that's historical. I think, don't you think it's a little bit more important to learn? It's heritage. It's our history. We should all kind of do that. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I liked a lot of the stories about when you were a kid and your travels and living in the city. Yeah. You know, covers a lot of different things other than the ghost hunting. It, it's really not. And it's funny because I used to. I don't do this anymore because it's pointless. And I've learned not to uh, take everything to heart and be so sensitive. Is I used to read the reviews and people, some people would get it and some would be like, I don't think there's anything haunted about this book, you know. Uh. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's not a, a ghost book. It's, it's, it's a memoir. You know, right. go look it up. Google it. <laughs> I don't know. Right, Maybe but it's it, just it, make... it, well, at the same time, it, it, um, it does allow people, uh, you know, fans of your father and uh, and now fans of you, to get a, a, a deeper insight and an insight that nobody really has had before about about um, him and your family. Could oh you... yeah, no. Okay. I mean, it it really was meant to tell the life story of two people that came together from different backgrounds and lineage. One created something um, and pioneered it, and the other one came from a history where its path had been paved. And together it created this family, and that's where I come into play. So I just felt it was really important to, to pay homage to my family. And my grandmother, who's 99 now, um, who was also published a few times over, um, an incredible poet. I put her life story in there because she married the Count of Russia. I mean, that in itself, you know, going yeah. through the First World War and having so many children. And I just, you know, felt like you could go on and on and on. And I, and I think a lot of great stories are told that way, you know. And I guess people coupled it with ghosts. And because it's so hip now, this field, that they were looking for, for more, I guess, in that respect. And I, I did tell some stories in there, but I felt like, you know, it's not the whole thing. Right. I mean, if you guys go out on an investigation, that's not your entire life. 
Right. You know? Oh, no, it is my entire life. Well, I don't know, maybe Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, you're very visual about the outfits that your dad liked to wear. Like what what he wore to your wedding and the outfits he'd wear to go out, you know, to his friends' parties. It's very funny. Um, he was very, um, eccentric and of course that carried over because as a child I didn't match my clothes and I blame him. (laughs) Um, but needless to say, he, he just, I don't know. I mean, he had the button fly collars, but like unbuttoned one too many. He wore all these medallions, these rings. He put on too much bad cologne. He wore the velvet jacket like he looked like he was Count Dracula. Uh, I mean, it was just so horrible. I said, Daddy, you're really fitting the role of ghost man. I mean, this is really bad. Can't go out like that. Nonsense, he'd say. I look fine. And off he went. I was mortified. Yeah. Well, that's cool. He, so, didn't, he didn't care what people thought. He wore what he liked. Oh, he, he, I, I'm telling you, if, if I have half the balls as that man had in my, my life, I will be thrilled because he just really didn't care. I mean, there are people that say they don't, but they do. He really didn't. And I think that's what was so amazing about his work throughout the decades was he stuck to it and he did not care. And it's when we compromise our beliefs and our values that's when we we falter a bit and we fall away from the goal. And my father didn't do that. And right. and I think that's a really hard thing to come by today. And I give him props for that. And I'm trying to learn how to be that way in Absolutely. that respect. Is it fair to say that your family was pretty eccentric while you were growing up? Yeah, really very um, eccentric. I mean, the apartment, like, you know, like you guys know, I always say it's like a museum. It's a living museum. Um you know, my mother was an art collector and an artist herself, and she would do exhibits, you know, and my father was the writer who entertained and traveled. So that combined, and he collected artifacts, and he would go, you know, antique hunting, you know, in the flea market. So it made for a very bizarre environment, physically and visually. And then emotionally, my mother was the creative, and so was my father. So they were kind of just in a different zone. They were very zen-like sometimes. They were very whatever, you know. I mean, I would have friends over, and I'd ask my father. I don't think I've ever said this on any show before. It just hit me. It's really funny. But um, I must have been probably like 14, 15. And I had asked my father, do you think we can order some wine from the liquor store? And he did. (laughs) Cool dad. (laughs) So it was like really cool to come over to the Holzer household because there you can get some booze. But I mean, he, 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 he knew he could trust me. I don't know how, but at that age, I mean, nowadays, would I do that with my own kids? Uh, no. But, you know, I mean, going back in that time, you know, the 80s, he ordered it, and within probably 20 minutes, the doorbell rang, and two bottles of white wine arrived. And he came in and knocked on my bedroom door and said, he goes, darling, wine's here. I'm going back into the office. That was it. Nice. Now, right? (laughs) did you ever have moments while you were growing up that saying to yourself, wow, you know, my family is very odd compared to my friend's family. Like, would you watch, say, the Brady Bunch and you'd be like, oh, there it is. Um, would you say that, like, why is my family not like the Brady's? What's going on here? The Brady's with liquor. 
we certainly wore the same clothes. That was the era we grew up in, that's for sure. Uh, right. um, Ditto here. <laughs> stripes and polka dots, yay. Yeah, that's 70s. I, I never knew any different. What kind of hit me that there was something different was the company we kept. And when, you know, my sister and I, we were always sent to the prep schools. And it, it sounds very hoity-toity and stuff. And it's a privilege because nowadays with the school systems, especially in the city, you know, and, and how much it costs, I mean, you know, public schools are much better than they used to be. Growing up in the 80s and early 90s, they were horrible you know, compared to today. So they really wanted to have a good education for us. So, but the problem was a lot of the kids that went to those schools, most of them were rich, absolutely. And those that weren't were pretty normal. I come in and it's like, well, what does your dad do for a living? I'm like, I'd rather not say. (laughs) (laughs) You just wouldn't understand. You know, it's... Now, I'm sure that you had some problems growing up, uh, too, with maybe, like, uh, friends' parents. I don't want my daughter going over to their house. Yeah. My mother would call up and and ask children to come over and play. And when she started doing that, I had pulled her off to the side. I was very, very angry with her. And, um, you know, she said, well, what's the problem, darling? And I said, well, you know, you're calling people, half of which I don't like, to have them come over and play with me, and I don't want to play with them. I was really fine in isolation. I really didn't need that many people around. But she felt it wasn't normal and I needed to socialize, so she did that. And a couple of times, I guess the the playdates went through because the doorbell rings and here's this kid coming over, and I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Not you. So it was a bit of a struggle. I mean, I I was very outgoing to some degree, but I really didn't feel the need to have, you know, 100 people around me. You know, I, I felt like I was normal enough. I didn't need to have that. But, she, you know, she did, so. Well, you could probably have gotten them out of there when you have your dad whip up one of his famous vegan meals. <laughs> That'll scare anybody out, including the ghost he brought home. I mean, come on. They come in the house, what, no meat? Forget this joint. <laughs> Going down the hallway to the meat eaters, and there's no beer to top it off. Forget it. Oh, forget it. Oh. So, were you a hey, believer? Hey, if I was dead, I'd still want some wine. What do you want from me? I mean, come on, you know, gotta still live after life, you know? Uh, exactly. So, were you a believer in ghosts all through your life growing up, or were you kind of saying, well, you know, I don't know what to believe with what my father's doing. You know, he writes about it, but I just, just don't know. Or, mm-hmm. what was your take on it? Um, I always knew there was stuff going on, um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I was a few years old, and I always had a thing about when we drove by cemeteries, because my mother's mother, who I spoke about, Rosie and Claire, lived out on Long Island, you know, I mean, that's all we ever knew, I mean, she was always out in Long Island, so going to travel to her, you'd pass by this, I, free, I think it's in Queens, it's this huge cemetery, yeah, huge, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying, it goes on forever, right, um, I used to, We're you know, long. always say in the car, well, what's the point of that? And one time we were, uh, my grandmother had stayed overnight with us, so we were in the back seat, and Nana and I are talking, and I said to Nana, and I think I was like five or six, I said, why why is the cemetery there? And she goes, well, darling, you know, it's because the people get buried when they die. And I said, but there's nobody there. And she thought that was so insightful, because how would I know that? Mm-hmm. You know, like I understood. And my father even said it's a waste of real estate. Ah. You know, because it's like, and of course, you know, it's him, but it really was pointless. And and I understand it's more for the living we bury our dead. 
Right. And it had nothing to do with spirituality. So I always knew, just like he always knew when he was five and in kindergarten telling ghost stories and being influenced by his uncle Henry to believe in magic and, and beyond, I had that same thing. Hmm. So it's kind of ironic. So, so is it safe to say then that your father was not buried? Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well. Oliver. <laughs> Yes, he was. You should see the man wake up in the morning. I mean, that's that's pretty scary. His hair would stick up, ten feet tall, and um, no, I mean, you know, he he was. Uh, my father came and went in the apartment. He he always had ongoings and business to deal with, and he was always moving. He was a mover and a shaker, and nothing was scary. It was more of curiosity for me. Um, you know, the apartment, certainly the energy and the environment changed. You know, with his work, things changed in that apartment. I certainly picked up on it, and I felt it. I mean, numerous dreams and visitations and things happening and that you can't explain as a child. You know, and back then, who are you going to talk to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he, he, you know, I mean, he's still my parent. And to, to talk to him, you know, he'd say, oh, but that's normal. Hmm. It didn't to him. It wasn't surprising if I had an experience. He would say, "Yeah, well, yeah, of course," because he understood it. I didn't understand it. Hence, why we we help people in the field understand. Yes, this happened to you, but it's normal. This is what's around you. You know, it's not just about you. You occupy space. Space is also being occupied by other forms of life and matter, and you have to think outside the box and not think it's just all about human beings, because it's not. Right. Right. But you have to grow into that, and he never fully sat down and explained that theory to me. He didn't, you know, he, to him, it was normal to be psychic. It's normal to have an experience. If you see a ghost, you know, somebody came up to him on the street. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Can you describe the ghost? Oh, of course, I'm sure, you know, he was just stopping by. (laughs) That's what he would do. He just, like you should understand, it's not a big deal. Now, are you also a believer in uh, aliens and alien abductions and everything like your dad was? Um, the most honest answer I can give is I believe in other life forms, and I believe people who believe they've experienced that. Um, I don't feel I'm in a position to discount or discredit those people because I haven't experienced it. Right. Therefore it can't happen. It kind of goes back to the whole feeling of the field when we deal with ghosts and demons. Um, you know, it's like, well, just because you haven't had the experience doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I don't want to put anybody down in, in the area of aliens or humanoids or abduction because I, I do, I do believe. And it scares me. That scares me more than going into a house or dealing with a, a property or a person that's surrounded by spirits and entities that might be good or bad. Definitely. Yeah. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Right? Concur. Because they're not tangible. They're really not. They're just made of energy. And at some point, they'll go. It, they really will. I mean, and you can move away from it. So this is something where it's a physical entity that you don't know what you're up against because I believe if if they exist, there's different species like there are in the human race. We have different cultures. So why wouldn't they? And so there's big ones, there's small ones, there's mean ones, there's nice ones. And that's kind of what, to me, is scarier because they might have, I don't know, gifts or, or things that would just put us to shame and, and can hurt us severely. And that, that I know it sounds crazy, but 
you know, maybe I've watched too many horror flicks, but I, I just feel like that that's really, I can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Alexandra, um, your father, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't like using technology on investigations. He relied mostly on mediums, correct? That's correct. Does your investigation style, um, is that different from his, or...? I'm actually, it's funny, um, I am that medium. So if, wow. if he were younger and I had come into my um, awakening at the same time as he was, you know, in his career for X amount of time, I would have been that medium working with him. Right. Put it to that way. But the difference is I'm also the uh, researcher and I have the side of skepticism. So... I, I call myself an intuitive investigator. So I rely on my sixth sense to feel my way through a situation, and then I'm clairaudient so I can hear them. Oh. And then I go and I ask 100 questions because my eyebrow goes up and says, well, well what, what do you mean this happened? Show me. You know, I'll, I'll go and I'll probe because I'm not going to just sit there and if you tell me, well, the coffee pot flew off the table and say, did it really? You know, I mean, <laughs> you got to go and ask the questions. You have to take pictures. You have to go in and investigate. Right. But if I feel it, as I'm walking towards the area of the coffee pot incident, I add that to my file of information. So I'm both. Right. So, you know. Well, let me ask you a really big question. You probably don't have the answer to this, but uh, we want to get your belief on this. Um, what do you believe is going on in the afterlife? Many people believe there's, quote-unquote, the light, and some spirits just don't make it through this light, and they get stuck. What What is your belief? Um, I do believe that, like with anything in life, there are stages we go through. And I think in the afterlife, what we have is plateaus, levels, layers, veils, all sorts of labels we've already given them, you know. Right. There's stages that we go through when we pass. Now, I, I do believe how we pass determines where we go. And what I mean by that is if we die suddenly, horrifically, the, the potential of being a ghost is great because it was sudden where... where um, disconnecting from our body without really knowing it was going to happen and therefore we're confused. Yeah. Ghosts are confused, they're lost, they're you know, not sure what just happened and they can't find their way towards that light, so to speak. Now, I, I believe in those cases there are always angels that come and try to help that soul because that's their job. We have helper angels all the time. Does it mean that that person that just died horrifically is going to respond to the angels? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. And what happens is in a situation like that, you can't always reach them. Either they can't hear or they're not ready to listen because they don't want to leave what was their spot of, of death, if you will. And they, and they, you know, it's just the whole thing of shock. I believe they go into shock. Now, if you're a horrible person and you, you pass naturally, um, I think you go to a lower level. And there, I believe, there are help, helper angels that are trying to educate you into working your way back up to be a teacher of love, because that's the whole point, is you learn from your past. You get a life review when you cross and saying, these are the things that you've done. Do you understand? You know, and you have to rectify it, and you get reviewed. Like in class, you get your report card, and the teacher goes over your behavior and your academic. Right. 
um, you know, ability, same thing when you pass. If you're not so nice and you've done horrible things, you, you do start at the lower levels because you have to learn. You haven't learned in that life because look what you did. You right. killed people, you know, or you were nasty your whole life, or you weren't forgiving. You had a closed heart. So there's a process in the afterlife like there is in life. We call it therapy. We call it growing up. We call it live and learn. And the other side, it, it's just basically the same thing. Yeah. And they have counselors there too, but they're just, they're called guides. It's, it's really all the same. It's just not in the physical sense that we're used to. It's more of a, not even emotional because you detach, there's no emotion. There's just memory of what once was. And you have to go through that. So if people think that they're going to die and get out of it, it doesn't work that way. Do you, uh, you know, believe I, in reincarnation? I believe, I do believe that some people do come back, and I believe some people have a choice if they want to be reborn again because they haven't gotten it right the first time or the tenth time. There are stages of how many times you can come back until you've learned all your lessons, and then you stay where you are and you continue on to the next level, always being a teacher of love and yourself evolving because I do believe the soul continues to evolve. I absolutely believe that. And um, some people do come back. And there are many cases on that and stories throughout the decades of people. You know, it's like the deja vu syndrome. Right. I always attribute deja vu, like in a serious, like if somebody's seriously saying they're not joking around, I feel like I've been here and they really weren't. There's no connection to the property. There's no reason why they'd be connected to the place. There's no relatives, but they feel like they've been there. Right. That, to me, I feel is a bit of digression back into a past where they weren't once were, maybe a hundred years ago. Right. Or like those reoccurring dreams you have, and you know the place that you're yeah. dreaming about, but you've yeah. never been there in this life. Yeah. And sometimes you end up in that place, you know, two years after that dream. And then you feel like, have I dreamt this? Was I here? Right. And it's almost like they do give you images. And when I say they, again, it's the spirit guides. They, they guide you into preparing you for what's ahead for you in your life. Or what we're if... all given that gift. It's just whether we're open enough to receive it and to understand what we've just dreamt. Some people just chalk it up to nothing and they lose out on it. But some people do write down their dreams or they remember it and they're cognitive of it and saying, this is very familiar and I think I've dreamt this. I've had deja vu. I could speak. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've had deja vu dreams, and uh, I sometimes wonder if we're not just living the same lives over and over again. Well, that's I, just you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. It's eight o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Still snowing. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, that's, that's too funny. Okay, I wanted to ask, um, you've investigated places. Um, have you ever been afraid during an investigation? Usually I am. Um, usually I, I am, but out of, uh, it's almost like it's an excitement of what's going to happen and an anticipation of will I be able to help because there's a feeling of helping versus just trying to get evidence and, and to get more validation that I can't explain something so therefore there's a possibility this could be me after I pass and therefore it's interesting to kind of figure out what happens and I, I do go in to situations with fear, but not fear of the unknown. It's more about fear of how am I going to handle it? Yeah. What's going to happen? 
because that's a personality quirk for me. I tend to project. So for me, it's natural to do that in, in essence. But I, I'm not afraid because I'm of physical matter. And if they want to throw that coffee pot at me, I'll throw something back. It might go through, but I'm certainly going to throw it back. You know? Right, so right. I, I don't... I challenge them. I I feel bad for them. I feel like so many just want to be heard and spoken with and and to kind of get out what they need to say, whether it's just to talk and they don't want to cross back, you know? Yeah. Well, how uh, how does your sister, you have a sister Nadine, right? Yeah. Does she do investigating or is she just no. one of the normals? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not her thing. She's in sales and she's been doing sales for a very long time for actually, uh, she places people for jobs in a certain industry and she, you know, which is helping people, you know, and, um, She's, you know, she herself is, has had dreams of things happening and then they happen. Um, she's had her share of visitations and she doesn't want to know it. Like she'd always have me peek around the corner and make sure the coast is clear. <laughs> I'm eight years younger, mind you. She's going to push the younger sister around and go, go make sure. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. That's funny. Do you think that um, you and your sister have some of these abilities because you weren't conditioned as children to, to uh, ignore them? I didn't get that whole part. Yeah, say that again, Oliver. Sorry, I said you, you, you're talking about your sister having a little bit of uh, abilities herself, and you have abilities, um, uh, and I'm asking if do you think that those manifest more because you weren't conditioned uh, not to believe as a child? Um... I think it has to do with who we are as people. And I think I was born to eventually become who I'm becoming. And I think, you know, her life path is her life path. And I think she she could, if she wanted to, open up more of that ability. And I've always said in the past, we all have the ability. It's just a question of tuning in and how much of it are we allowed to use. Because I do feel that it's piloted, if you will, by those guides to steer us towards the future, whether we're to help ourselves or those around us with the sixth sense that we're all innately born with. She is not of that persona to ever handle it. It's just not who she was or is. So I don't feel that they're calling her to to open it up, but it's there. And what happens is she'll turn to me to, to validate things and then ask me to pick up on stuff. So we kind of at times work together in a team effort, you know, to help, if you will. But, you know, the way we grew up, I mean, we were both very aware of the environment, but for us it's what we knew. And she was, again, eight years older than me, so she was out of the house. She was never home. She wasn't a homebody. So she would have never paid attention to anything. You know, she had a couple of dreams. She had visitations at the um, haunted farmhouse in Austria in Badesse, Vienna. And she ran away from it screaming. And I think that's hysterical. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the funniest thing that she ran through a ghost screaming all the way up to my parents' room. And I, and for me, I, I think I peed on the floor laughing. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> She smacked me over the head, but I, you know, I was like a few years old. I think that's funny. It's comical for me. <laughs> Are there any locations that make your dream list for investigating? 
Nah, I mean, I'd like to, I mean, I don't know where life is going to take me, you know, the more opportunities that I feel present themselves that make sense for me. Um, I am, I'm fascinated with Europe and I'm fascinated with castles and very old property because it has that history. It's layered. Right. And I'm also just fascinated in general with people that have experienced things and they can't get away from something no matter where they live. I mean, that to me is remarkable. It's almost like, are they really cursed and are there curses, you know? And so I, I kind of feel like location-wise it would have to be castles because a lot of bad things went down in them, you know? Yeah. Right. A lot of negative energy and I would like to lighten up the atmosphere, you yeah. know, kind of. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, if it's possible. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Alex, I'll be thrown. I'll be thrown down into the dungeon, chained up by unseen hands. Thank you. <laughs> Come on. Um, Next Al show at nine. That's a different show, Alex. <laughs> I, I hope you don't mind me asking. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Have you been in contact with your father since he passed away? Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Good. He's, you know. Um, he came back in a couple of dreams. I saw his progression after he passed as a young man, going down to the age that he was comfortable at and um, dancing again. He was huge on uh, dancing and band music. And one of the first things I, I think that he was doing was getting back to that. Yeah. Because he couldn't walk anymore at the end of his life. You know, right. that was that was a killer for him, because like I said earlier, he was a mover and a shaker. Um, yeah, he's come back. You know, we've we have him on recordings and we have, you know, um, he's made his visits to other people he used to work with that I speak to and, and my sister and, and her husband. And, you know, they're living in the apartment right now. Um, and so. I'm trying to get, you know, crew in there to actually film a private investigation in there to see if he's more comfortable talking in the living room, which would be quite interesting. Because one of the dreams I had, he and I were in the living room, which wow. is where I grew up, you know, in the apartment. So uh, everything around us was blacked out, but I, I knew it yeah. was the living room. Yeah. And uh, he, he was listening to me, and I was having an argument with him because I was, I think I was airing my grievances as a child to the parent of the things that were hurtful. And he sat there with a very sad face, but he was listening because he knew. Right. He had his life review. He, he knew, and he, he addressed it, and I didn't. So it was my opportunity in that dream, which felt like a five-minute clip, right. you know, of... I was telling him how I felt finally, and he was listening to me finally. Hmm. So. Interesting. Do you think you'd be offended by a uh, gadget-infused investigation in the apartment? I didn't understand that. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Muffle. you be offended by uh, an investigation with gadgets and cameras and... Uh, oh, offended by all that, the equipment? In the apartment. It's not, it's not for him to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, a coffee pot will be thrown at my head that evening. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, but if you catch but it on I, a video, it's great. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He'll, he'll show up without a head and scare the heck out of me, and, and that'll be great. Thanks. Um, headless holder. You know, uh, but I mean... That's it's the title of your next book. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Headless Holder Horseman rides in Riverside Drive. Uh, well, if you don't mind, Alexandra, we'd like to do something. We'd like to put you on. Oh, no. Wait, here it is. The Hot Seat. These are uh, uh -huh. 
<laughs> These are some of our poll questions we've had on our Island Ghost Radio website. Some of our more controversial polls. And okay. um, we'd like to ask a few questions to you and see what your take is on certain things. Um, I'll start off with, and you can say pass if you want, what do you believe orbs are? Orbs? Yes. Orbs are what I have on a good day I in my shirt. I don't know. <laughs> um, come on, you weren't expecting that one. Um, try to get one of your guests to say that, eh? I think. <laughs> All right. Um, honestly, I have so many pictures of orbs, and I've seen pictures of dust and light and weather. And it's, it's really, really not complex, the difference of an energy ball. I call them energy balls. They're not orbs to me. They're energy balls, and we are energy. So when we, we do pass, we float on by. We're energy. And so they come in different shapes, you know, and colors. And um, so I feel like it's just that's what we appear at sometimes. You know, it's really hard to appear in a full body form. Yeah. I mean, do you know how much energy it takes for them to get back into the atmosphere they came out of to show themselves to us? I mean, everybody's like wanting to see all that and and there's plenty of photos like that, but it's hard. Yeah. So you're going to miss a leg and a head like, you know, a bucket of chicken, you know, I mean, a wing, (laughs) a thigh. You have to pick out an outfit. I have a hard time appearing in a full body form, and I'm living. <laughs> yeah, see, that's scary. I heard I heard that about you. But that's, that's really my impression of orbs. To me, they're just balls of energy. And sometimes, if you don't know what you're looking at, you it's easy to dismiss. But you really need to see all that in front of you, on a table, next to each other, and say, "This is dust. This is rain." This is environmental interference. Mm-hmm. This is something I can't explain. Right. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Let's move to the next question to win the brand new Buick. <laughs> <laughs> Buick F. Ooh, I'm not answering that. <laughs> Do you believe paranormal TV shows fake evidence? Somebody was trying to get one. That sucks as a question. (laughs) But then if I have my own show, I would keep it real. And so that's just the way it goes. So I will answer that question. Okay. I do do believe that sometimes I wouldn't be surprised if in the world of TV it was created illusion-wise because part of it is entertainment. I would certainly not put it past. Some, some shows in general to, to do that. And I think because it's a bit convoluted, because it's also entertaining, uh-huh. right. a little bit of Hollywood creeps in there. And even though it's cable and even though it's TV, doesn't mean it's still not a bit of that uh, alluring factor, that fear factor. So right. yeah. I certainly think it's happened. Yeah. I do. I think you can kind of view it the way uh, you know most people view wrestling. You know, the fights are kind of fixed, but it's still entertainment, and yeah. if you're into that and kind of somebody, thing. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to get evidence. It's really the same thing. And, and I think the whole thing about the field is it's not just about evidence. It's about there's other ways to get evidence, and it's not just, you know, on film. There's, there's feeling it and explaining things that you couldn't possibly know that gets validated by the client and just, in general, the reaction that you, you get when you absorb an atmosphere. Right. And I think that's very dramatic. I mean, I cry, I feel, I, I go through a range of emotions, and that, that's very deep. And then there's moments of, of fear. But I think 
you know, it is part of that world, and it's it's something that I think people just have to take it with a grain of salt, and they have to always themselves do the research so that they're aware of the terminology and what they're looking to learn and not rely just solely on TV or film. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is a demon? Well, you should know, aren't you one? (laughs) (laughs) Only on the weekends. (laughs) Ah, yes, yes, yes. The old weekend trick. Well, I think um, a demon is is a, a very nasty... It could two things. You can have, like I told you, I, I use Hitler as an example, um, just a horrible, horrible soul right. that is born into this world with nothing but malice in their heart to kill, take away, play God, if you will. Yeah. That to me is demonic because, you know, if, if and when they pass and they're lingering, they will be very nasty. And you can, you can certainly, you know, chalk that up to a demonic activity. Then there's the other part of what a demon is, where it's not of this world, so it was never a human. And those are the things that are really hard to prove, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, mythical. And so, you know, like with Clash of the Titans is back out again. Yay! Yeah. Release the Kraken. (laughs) But you know... Love that movie. (laughs) If if it's like the Hulk, I'm not... I can't, you know? It's just too animated. Forget it. But, you know, I think that... um, you know, there there's a side of that that's really hard to prove. And I understand people can believe without the proof. I'm one of them. But how do you show that something of not of this world? What if the person was so horrible, like a Hitler, and they're so nasty on the other end of the spectrum that they manifest the same way and they create the same horrible effects to the people coming into that space? Yeah. Right. Nasty is nasty. I don't care if you're coming out with claws or not. I mean, you know, and, and they can develop a demonic way if they're stuck in those lower levels like I was telling you about. So there's two different demons, I think. There's the demons that were human, that were bad people, and there's demons that are not of this world. But that is something I haven't encountered yet, and I really hope not to. I don't feel I need to, you know. I don't feel that will round me out as a human before I pass. Yeah, I think most of us would concur with that. Yeah, let them stay where they need to stay, under a rock or two, or five or a hundred, really, you know. (laughs) Preferably more rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Or Uh, just, you know, go to where the equator is, which is nowhere near us, you know. Thank you. Uh, Is there something that gets under your skin with the paranormal field? Um, And if so, what is it and what would you like to see change? I'm, I'm fed up with the field today. Because especially with all our networking sites, we're all on them, MySpace, Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm done with, and everybody's been using the word drama and stuff like it's so cool and hip and everybody thinks they're the first. It's been around for the past couple of years, and I'm tired of, there's competition. It's, yes. It, it's, you know, competition is good. It's good for the economy. It's good for society. It's good in general. It gets you going. You have to have something to to kind of balance it out. But the type of competition I'm talking about is the backstabbing. Yes. Team members getting kicked out of groups. People lying and faking evidence because they want to be the next it. And I attribute that, of course, to the cable TV boom yeah. of shows and everybody's filming themselves and it's easy to send in a, 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 a 
with that or whatever the heck. I sound like my father now. What era are we in? CDs, CDs. <laughs> hey, I'm an old gal here. Um, and you send it into a network, and they look at you. If they like you, boom, you get a meeting. I mean, it's really not complicated today. There's no originality. There's no incentive. There's no nothing. It's like, hey, if you get lucky, you're on air. Yeah. Right. And everybody's got a group, and it's a positive and it's a negative. Right. You know, some some groups have so much great work and don't want a, a darn TV show. And when they go and present stuff, other groups are knocking them because either they're jealous or they're competitive. And I think there's, like, not one ounce of spirituality in that. And part of this field is to, to have a soul and a spirit. And you have to know all of that. You can't just go into this and hunt for evidence. I mean, part of what makes us is when we pass, we continue on, whether we're bad or good. I mean, it just doesn't end. So you kind of have to know it all. And that's lacking, and that's what pisses me off, and all this competition and the nasty backstabbing. And I'll, I'll get up one day, and I'll see on Facebook I'm deleted off of people that were so nice and I was talking to and helping, and then I'm deleted because maybe I had an opportunity or, really? you know, I, you know, just stupid stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, you know, or because I'm Holzer's kid, that kind of stuff. Uh. And, you know, I sit there and I'm like, well, good riddance to you. And I feel for you because, you know, I know I didn't do anything. Why would I? Yeah. Yeah. It's, but that's, that's what yeah. really pisses me off and I'm sick of it. And I really don't want a TV show based on this stuff anymore. I, I kind of feel, you know, turning the tide is, is, needs to be done on this field. And that's really where I'm headed. And it'll take me a while to get there, but at least anything that's worth breaking ground on will. Right. Yeah. Right. Shouldn't be a competition. We we're, no. all, we're all out to find a piece of the puzzle, and we should be working together. And I'm I'm not one for all the paranormal unity because I think it's impossible to have 100% unity. But let's not be so catty at the same time. You know, there's got to be a it's just a comfortable medium in there somewhere. Haha, <laughs> ha, you said medium. Oh. Well, okay. <laughs> ah, come on. Unity, like, and I talk about unity. I think unity for me um, is about coming together for oneness for a goal. Main goal is to seek out answers and, and to accept the unacceptable. And by that I mean if you don't get everything, it's okay. You're not supposed to. And right. that doesn't mean you suck or your equipment sucks or your medium sucks. It means you weren't allowed, you weren't privy that moment. Right. You right. know, it just, you can't go against nature and the divine order of law and say, well, I'm at a haunted location and I'm going to get evidence, gosh darn it. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. They know you're coming. What are you, stupid? <laughs> they they know you're coming. That's the whole point, you know? I mean, it, you got to really learn about spirituality. you got to understand there's a lot of intellect going on around these haunted situations and... I don't. I just think there's just not many people thinking anymore. There's just doing, and there's a thrill-seeking uh, adventure to it. And um, like with Amityville, I had uh, heard years ago that there's a couple of teenagers that went on the front lawn of the house in the middle of the night and did some blood sacrificial uh, thing. Nice. You know, and I, I think uh, one of the kids ended up in the hospital, and the other one died. And they all said, "Oh, the house is cursed." So no, the kids were stupid. Yeah. 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 Uh, Come on, you know, is everything related to everything now? If you create your own demise, you put yourself in a stupid situation, don't blame it on the house. You know, I mean, negative is negative. I, I don't care who you are. Right. right. Do you think it depends on your intentions? Like, say you go someplace, looking like you go to Eastern State Penitentiary, 
hoping to have an experience. Do you think uh, that experience depends on your intentions or if you go there and you're having a good time as opposed to like maybe being angry at somebody that you're in a bad mood? Do you think that has any influence on the other side? Yeah, I do because they're intelligent and they know. And so if, if they feel to show themselves to the cocky guy in the corner with the camera and they want to play a game, they will. If they feel to show themselves to the intuitive one in the middle of the hallway that's just peering around with big, bright eyes, they will. You know, they'll whisper in that person's ear, hey, my name's Tom. And then you're going to, ah! you know, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, Tom's here. Yay. I, I think that... It, it, who you are makes a world of difference of the energy. The energy we create, we walk into an environment, we bring in our energy. The moment we change our energy, the environment changes, along with what's in it. So now think about that. There's, there's a formula forming here, you see? Now, if you couple that with what you're going into without knowing what you're going into, imagine what could be accomplished. Yeah. Do you realize that some of them appreciate respect and that some of them appreciate the fact that attention has been given. Now, some of them don't deserve it and they're nasty, but the whole point and the premise is also to help. Right. And if right. they don't want it, fine, but you still should offer it because that's what you would do in life. At least we hope. So right. it's an energy thing. It's about, I'm coming here with an open mind and heart and a willingness. However, I trust nothing until I get through that moment, but I maintain my energy level. I maintain it. And that's very hard to do because we can switch on a dime. Right. Yeah. And that, that throws the whole group off. And you cannot, you must maintain focus. It's almost like meditating and teaching the group. Before you go in, I think what, what a lot of groups should do is, is to meditate prior and to talk to everybody in the group and say, listen, put yourself in a place away from home, from the children, from financial worries, from an illness, all of it. And focus in on where we're going, what we want to accomplish, and what we hope to find and do. If we stick to that, we go in in a zen-like mode, a lot of the spirits that could react a different way that may not benefit us may not, and actually turn around and maybe work with us a bit more on, on revealing some information and also just getting the help that they seek. You know, And so I, I do believe in that, and it's a balance. I mean, we need to be balanced. You know, on investigations, we can't just go storming in there with flashlights and, and all this stuff because, you know, they're probably sitting around on the ceilings halfway through with a leg and a head up, you know, up and down saying, what is this? Another infrared this and that? Oh, please. <laughs> I've seen a hundred today. You think you're any different? Come on. <laughs> but mine's bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the ghost will say, yeah, I've heard that one before. Well, that's that's a... my wife over here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really, you must assume they are intelligent, and you must assume they will know ahead of you. Right. And then you must change your energy. Yes. If you if you start your day off in a bad mood, do you honestly think it'll get better unless you change it? And even though you're going to get that bill in the mail and you can't change that, could you just put it on the side and say, I'm going to have to deal with it, but the way I can is the way I can, and I have to accept that. Right, exactly. It's the laws of attraction. It, it really is. Yeah. It's a universal thing, and, and so we have a spirit, we have a soul, so therefore we're not just flesh and blood, we, we are a combination of both. So if you go into your environment, like Eastern State, which is my God, you know, a huge ball of energy, I mean, 
you've got a lot going on in places like that. And so you have to be mentally prepared, not just physically. There's too much emphasis on the physical, not enough on the metaphysical. Right. That's my gripe. Right. I, I, I think you're, you're right about that. I don't want to be because I know a lot of people are very cocky and they'll walk in thinking, yeah, she's nuts, that holds her kid, blah, blah, blah. I'm going in and doing what I want to do. Fine. I hope there's no coffee pot going at your head. I mean, <laughs> actually, I'll be in the corner hiding and throwing it, you know, because I hate those cocky people. But, yeah. Uh, so. Well, Alexandra, we're running a little short on time, but we wanted to give you the opportunity. Um, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Um. I, I, it's funny when people ask that. I don't like plugging because I think I feel weird. It's almost like when I get a gift, I don't like receiving, I like giving. Right. Basically, I have some small film projects coming up, um, and hopefully, you know, that will get me out there a little bit more as to my concerns in the field and what I have to offer it. And yeah, I'm always writing, always writing. I have made more connections to people that are willing to help. Um, but it takes a lot of time, and I am raising a family, and I, you know, I have two type 1 diabetic children, and I'm focusing on maintaining that energy we talked about. And it's more important for me just to do the projects that come up, and when they're out, they're out. Right. You know, that's just pretty much it for me. I don't really, you know. Are you working on any new books? Always. Are you okay. kidding me? My God, they're all sitting on my desk half open. Let's go already. Yeah. <laughs> well, I definitely think someone should write a screenplay on your family and your life growing up because I think it would make a very interesting movie. She's already We're working on it. Oh, okay. um, I, do, I am working with my father's partner. I took over his position um, as producer and consultant. She's out in L.A., and she's actually pretty well known for her work. I mean, she's won awards and stuff, and um, she's been around a block. She knows the business, and she believes in my father, and she's God, she's known him for a long time. So we have that going, and we're trying to find a really good writer, and um, other people are being introduced to it. And it's finding that right dynamic, if you will, that right. makes it. Because if we go and get somebody, and then they kind of schlock it up, it's not going to be really good. Yeah. And I'm not going to take that project on. I'll consult and I'll help, but I'm not. I'm not ready yet. You know, I need to still learn myself. But we're we're actually we are working on that. Awesome. I can't wait for that. <laughs> Are you still trying to track down the uh, actor to play your father? Um, not anymore. Not anymore. Do you have I someone in mind? Huh? Do you have someone in mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I have to find somebody else. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few that probably could do it, you know. But, again, you know, if we got to that point, I would have very little say in it because I'm not a money person, and that's really the reality of it. So, right. you know. They would be in charge of all of that, but, you know, I think there there's a decent amount of people out there. The first person I thought of, you know, would be like Kevin Spacey, with makeup, of course, oh. and a big nose. Oh. Well, you know, the inspector kind, you know, where he can play it off a bit, you know, and right. I don't know if he's got much hair. My father didn't, so that might work. Um, <laughs> he's, he's fabulous, you know. I don't yeah. know people like that, you know. Um, it's tough, you know. I, I don't know all the talent that's out there and I'm sure there's so many I would rather have somebody who's lesser known that's really good yeah you know? okay so the next question would be who would play you <laughs> <laughs> 
me, of course. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's what my father would say. I'd play myself. Um, I don't know. I know um, my father's partner, she's, her name is Marilyn Vance. Um, she had mentioned there is the, she's got black hair and blue eyes. She's the, the Gilmore Girls. I forget her name. Oh, uh, Lauren... Um I forget her name. It's like the, as me as as my life now, and then yeah. of course they would get like a, the child to yeah. play me growing up in that environment. And then we were thinking of like doing, you know, like the Wonder Years. Yes. Yeah. A bit of the voiceovers of you know, and here we are at the flea market. Oh, this is such a grand day, you know, like that kind of thing. Awesome, I love it. I can see that. Uh, it's got to be funny. Yeah. It has to be really funny, and it has to be scary, and it has to be amazing, and it has to be just like a whirlwind of oh my god i can't believe this is how they lived and you know and and the haunted farmhouse is another segment i mean that's another whole thing i mean my god we were the sound of music i mean i i was wearing a dirndl or whatever they're called i mean i'm like what is this (laughs) i'm wearing tablecloths that's not right (laughs) that is so awesome uh well, Alexandra, we could go all night talking with you. Uh, you're very fun and fascinating, and uh, we we envy your life growing up. I, I have to say, uh, just being in that environment sounds like it was really fun growing up. I'm sure it had its yeah. problems at times, but uh, you know, compared to the Bradys, it it definitely sounds like a a fun place. It was. It, I, I have no complaints. I, I was very well taken care of, considering I really was. So. Uh, well, we look forward to uh, future projects or future books, things to... Thank you. Yes, Thank absolutely. You. Are you going to be coming out this way anytime soon? I knew he was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I, I want to. Um, I, I do my... I know. Well, my mother's house is a little too small to fit all of us. That's the problem. Right. So, um... I, I don't know. I have to kind of think about it. But, yeah, I mean, if I can get another book signing, you know, I don't know if I'm going to combine that with the exhibits with her. It's up to her. But, yeah, we'll come out again, definitely. And, of course, I will tell you guys. Yay. So we cool. can all meet up. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Have you been to the Shanley lately? Uh, no. No. The last time was when we were there uh, in October. He's having a lot of, like, um, weekend pajama part. I don't know what he's doing now. He's, he's got, like, little things going on. So I'm just like, you know, my friend Mike and I are like, okay, whatever. Uh, we're going to be know, up there. We're, we're always welcome there. He's very generous. Him yeah. and Cindy are, are just, they do treat you like family. And if I needed to go there, I could. I mean, they're just, you know, they're very lovely people. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually going up next weekend. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're only 45 minutes from me. Come on down. Come hang with us. <laughs> uh, you're so, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get my broom that I have parked out back and I'll fly over. Because <laughs> I'm also a witch, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's another show. Yes. Older's a witch. Yeah. That's that's the uh, that's the other show you're working on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. been a pleasure, <laughs> Alexandra. Yeah. Yeah. You rock. I know yeah. that's getting old, but you rock. Thank you. No, it's never old. I I love that and I appreciate it because it's it's you know I mean I feel the same way with you guys and wish more people would be like that you know just genuinely supportive and loving you know so best way to go about life. Yep. All right, well, we got to wrap this up, but we thank you again so much for joining us tonight. 